You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and this is a James Madison special. The rumours are rife. James Madison, is he on his way to Arsenal or is he staying put? Who actually knows? I don't think many of us really have a clue at this moment in time. But as I say, the rumours are everywhere. The story is everywhere. And I've got a really special guest with me. There's no one better to give us some insight and the download on James Madison from a Leicester City point of view. It's TalkSport presenter Jake Watson. Jake, welcome to the show, mate. How are you, first of all? Uh, yes, mate. Uh, very well indeed. A James Madison special. My words. <laughs> People are getting excited, aren't they? They really are. They really are. Well, do you know what it is, Jake? We've we've kind of heard, obviously, we've been hearing the rumour for weeks that Arsenal mm. have an interest in the player. Um, you know, and it's one that's just not going away. And I know that at this particular part of the year, especially the, the rumours and the stories and a lot of what goes around needs to be taken with a pinch of salt. But as I say, this one's not going away. And there are a lot of Arsenal fans out there. I, I wouldn't necessarily include myself in that though that, that do believe that this could really happen first of mm. all what's your understanding of the situation from a Leicester City point of view because we can get lost in the Arsenal Twitter sphere as we like to call it mm. that's very easy to do but from a kind of detached point of view and, and from a point of view looking at it from the other side I guess how do you see the situation at, as at the moment yeah so look you, you mentioned perhaps taking deals at the moment this time of the window with, with a pinch of salt but the, there is salt to pinch with James Madison to Arsenal. Um, kind of straight away, if you want me to to go in with a with a kind of percentage scenario, I'd say probably seventy thirty that he stays at Leicester. But but thirty percent um, is is definitely something for Arsenal to go at, and you can completely understand why they would do that. Um, James Madison is an interesting one because he is an outstanding player. He is, and he he is really respected and appreciated at the football club, but. Leicester City as a football club, you just have to look historically over the last five years, they they each year have have sold one of their, their star assets. You know, you go to N'Golo Kante, Harry Maguire, Riyad Mahrez, Ben Chilwell. And I think that, that Leicester are always preparing for one of those players to leave and to have that ready-made replacement to come in. So, so again, you look at what we've done in the past when Kante left, indeed he came in, when Maguire left, Soyuncu came in. Um, when Mares left, in came Madison. When Chilwell left, there was Castagna and, and James Justin. It's a very, very well-run football club. So I think the reality is, is Leicester have a track record of selling their, their bigger players. But at the same time, they only do that once they get the fee that they want and they've got a, a replacement to come straight back in. And, and I think that's where the problem is, is that I'm not sure Arsenal can afford it. And I don't see where Leicester's replacement is at the moment. Yeah, that's my worry about it. You know, it's, it's the fee. And I would maybe argue that I'm not sure James Madison is worth £70 million. I think mm. what you get now, and, and I know we spoke about it on Talk Sport earlier, we, we talk a lot about the fact that it's not just about convincing Leicester to sell. You almost have to kind of compensate them for the fact that he is going to be joining a club that, in theory, you 
probably will be competing with. Arsenal and Leicester will both be looking to sneak into the top four next season. I think that's Arsenal's aim and ambition. It might not be a reality given the squad we've currently got, but it is the aim. It has to be. I mean, tell us a little bit about James Madison and his time at Leicester City because there's Hmm. been a lot of kind of Arsenal fans trying to kind of I guess maybe trying to make themselves feel a little bit better about the story by kind of constantly referring to the fact that he broke the COVID protocol last season. He was one of those players that he was left out of the team after that and that maybe his relationship with Brendan Rodgers isn't 100%. Do you believe any of that or Mm. you watch him every week? How do you kind of see the situation? Yeah, there's quite a lot to this, to be honest, Harry. I think the, the overriding thing is, has James Madison been a success at Leicester? Yes, without question. Would all the fans be disappointed if he left? Absolutely. But there, there is a bit of a story to, to James Madison, which I, you talk about perhaps what Arsenal fans cling on to. By the same token, these are the things that perhaps Leicester fans would cling on to if they were to lose this player. Now, James Madison, when we signed him from, from Norwich, um, again, <laughs> when I'm not watching Leicester, I'm watching Norwich. So I knew at the time that, that Leicester had an outstanding young player on their hands. And he hit the ground running. Um, he he really filled that void of, of Riyad Mahrez. And that, that, that seems a, a strange thing to say or certainly a bold statement, but he he is that outstanding. He's got the X factor and he can make that kind of thing happen from, from nothing. And there's not many Premier League players out there who can do that. And I think that's why his value is, is, is as high as, as what it is. Um, now, over the course of the last three seasons, what I would say with regards to a negative, Harry, is that he's never quite pieced together an entire season. So he's either started slow, had a really good middle and tailed off badly. And last season was the exact same. He he was injured at the start of the season. Now, of course, that's no fault of his own. Now, in the middle part, he was outstanding and was playing the best football he'd ever played for Leicester. I think he was double figures for, for goals and assists. Now, for, for any player, that's that's an incredible, that's an outstanding return. You know, that's what you want your midfield players, your, your attacking players to be doing. But then, unfortunately, he got injured. And he really, really struggled to, to find form and fitness for the back end of the season. And when you throw in the fact that there was that misdemeanor with the, with the COVID protocols, then Brendan dropped him. And the back end of last season, he wasn't starting. And when he was playing, he was, he was a million miles off his, off his best level to the extent that one of the biggest games in the club's history, the FA Cup final, James Madison didn't even start that game. So look, as I said, James Madison is an outstanding player. He's hugely respected and appreciated. But at the same time, I think Leicester have lost more important players. And within that current squad, if you were to say, who would you, who is more important? You know, Yuri Tielemans is more important. Wilfred Ndidi is more important. Kasper Schmeichel is more important. So, so whilst Madison is a great player and we want to keep him, I think that if Arsenal were to pay over the odds and it has to be 60 plus million because he's got more than three years left in his current contract, then I think Leicester would listen to that offer. Do you think that 60, say 60 million is the the ballpark figure. Do you see yeah. that as being over the odds based on what you've seen of him? Not really. No, I mean, it isn't, it isn't because we know what the transfer market is. It's a huge amount of money. I mean, you've just paid 50 million pounds for Ben White. Now, exactly. with, reg- <laughs> with regard to what, what Leicester are as a football club, they're a football club that are challenging for the top four each season. You know, they're playing in European football. Now, Brighton are a million miles away from that. And James Madison is a far more proven player at Premier League level and now European. And he is a full international, again, where Ben White was not before. So so that value for a 24-year-old 
that's kind of what you're going to be playing. And and what, what I said previously about that ability to, to score goals from nothing, you look at the best teams, Harry, you look at Man United with Bruno Fernandes, Man City with Kevin De Bruyne, or Aston Villa with Jack Grealish. You've all kind of got that one man which you turn to when you can't break a team down, when you need a goal to produce that bit of magic. And, and James Madison is that man. And, you know, I think he would, without question, offer something and add something to a team like Arsenal. Now, he was previously linked with Man United. Now, that's completely gone because they've got Bruno Fernandes. But again, by the same token, he's good enough to play for that kind of side. He really is. In terms of where he would fit into our team, you know, because there's been a lot of discussion around how Mikel Arteta might approach this coming season. He's played up until this point with a 4-2-3-1. Uh, and, and we'd assume that James Madison would be competing with Emil Smith-Rowe for that number 10 central position. Or, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe, we've seen him kind of been put in on the left or on the right to kind of accommodate for when Martin Odegaard was here. So that's not really a worry for me in terms of which one of them plays there. But is that Madison's best position? Is he better playing with that kind of free role behind the striker? Mm. Or do you think he's better as part of a kind of midfield trio? Yeah, well, he can he can play in a few positions. When, when I saw him at Norwich, he'd actually play as a, as a central midfield player um, with that license to basically go where he wants because he's one of those players, Harry, that just wants to get on the ball. So if your fullback's got it, James will come and demand it from him. He's one of them. He's not just going to stick in that hole and wait for the ball to come to him. So his best position is, without question, the number 10. But if you want to play him as a midfield three, yes, you lose that physicality of him being a, a you know a, a midfield presence, but he'll play there. And quite often he's been deployed as like a on the left of a three where he's obviously playing you know, somewhat inverted, but again, he can play there, but you know, his position is a number 10 and you, you rightly kind of then point out what that would mean for someone like Emil Smith Rowe, who, who did make that great impact and, and, and breakthrough season last year. And I think lots of people are really excited by him. Now there's no question that, that those two players would then ultimately be sharing that same position. Now do Arsenal want to stunt the, the, the progress of Emil Smith Rowe? Or do they see someone like James Madison who can come in, hit the ground running and take Arsenal to the next level right now? And I suppose that's the question that, that Arsenal have got to weigh up when it comes to deciding if they want to go for, for Madison and how serious they are. Absolutely. I mean, my big worry with Emil Smith-Rowe, and, and don't get me wrong, I, if I'm being completely honest, I think right now he's my favourite Arsenal player in terms mm. of the, the way he plays the game. I love the way he carries the ball, the maturity he shows in terms of his decision-making when he gets into the final third. I think he's fantastic. But I am a little bit worried about two things. First of all, I'm worried about the fact that young players do often go through ups and downs in terms of their form. And secondly, he's got a pretty miserable injury record. And he did break down on numerous occasions last season. And my big concern here is that I think that creative burden, if you like, within that Arsenal team needs to be shared. I think yeah. somebody else has to come in and be able to take some of that off of Emil Smith-Rowe's young shoulders. And that's why I'm not too worried about him stunting the growth, because I think there's plenty of games and both of them will get plenty of time. And as I said, I, I wouldn't you know, rule out Smith-Rowe operating from a slightly wider position or one of them even being dropped into a slightly deeper midfield role. So it will be interesting to see if the transfer does come to fruition, 
how that works out. Uh, just a quick reminder before we go on that this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, if you're going away like Jake is, you might mm-hmm. want to get yourself uh, the Lawnmower 4.0. I can tell you it's a fantastic product. Why not keep it neat and tidy? You never know. Your next date might go better than you planned. And if it does, you'll wish you'd manscaped. So head over to the website, enter the discount code, which is 90min20, and you will receive 20% off of your order as well as free worldwide shipping we thank them as always for their very kind sponsorship big hello to everyone who's tuned in with us live at the moment on youtube as well i can see there's over a couple of hundred of you watching us now and to those who will be listening to this back or watching this back make sure you hit that like button it really really does help uh, especially on the youtube front subscribe to the channel if you are new now jake i wanted to put this to you because i do this to all my guests that are not of an Arsenal persuasion because I'm interested to know what you guys think, how you see things at Emirates Stadium at the moment. There are a lot of fans that are frustrated, disappointed, angry, as I'm sure you know from your line of work. Arsenal fans Mm. can be quite volatile, can be quite extreme in their views one way or the other. And there are a large proportion of fans that don't think Mikel Arteta is the right man to take us forward. What have you made of his tenure so far? And do you look at him and think, given time, he might do it? Or are you a little bit concerned that maybe he's just a little bit out of his depth? Yeah, I think as far as from the club, from top to bottom, you know, you're talking about Edu, um, you're talking about the ownership, you're talking about Arteta, you're talking about the players. I think the jury is out on all of it. I really, really do. Um, you know, when Arteta first came in, there was really really positive signs which kind of gave the impression that wow this guy is this guy's the real deal um and he obviously went and won the FA Cup and you really thought that last season you'd kick on and you know some good deals were made you know the Aubameyang one feels like a million years ago now but at the time that was it was it was fanfare wasn't it as a wow we've got this guy tied down you know Kieran Tierney coming in Thomas Partey coming in and people were thinking wow Arsenal Arsenal are going to do something this year and and if I'm completely honest they they hugely hugely disappointed and then and there's so many ways to look at this is is this this a football club going through complete transition and again i talk about the club from top to bottom you know everyone is feels like they're they're learning roles at the moment um and you look at what is happening with the rest of the i'm going to say big four and exclude arsenal and spurs from this at the moment and then let's not forget, you've kind of got Leicester in the middle there, which which are competing, but of course, they're not one of the big six, but they're there or thereabouts. But you look at what that top four are doing of, of Man United, Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool. And I think that Arsenal are still a million miles away from them. Now, I know that will probably upset people, but I look at their squad. I look at Leicester's team and and look at Arsenal's best 11. And in, in complete brutal honesty, I don't know how many of Arsenal's team their best 11 get into Leicester's. And if Arsenal want to be finishing in the top four, they need to be finishing above Leicester. So how do they go about doing that when at Leicester you've got Brendan Rodgers, who is a who's a great manager and has got a very settled team and a, and a young team, to, to Mikel Arteta, who we still don't know if he's any good as a manager. And, and I'm still not convinced that the, the starting 11 or the squad really compares to to the rest of the big four. And I, I think Arsenal are making good moves. I think there is progress being made. I just question if it's enough. I think from an Arsenal point of view, I think it's really hard to disagree with a lot of what you've said there. And it, it hurts to hear it, but it's true. Mm. You know, yeah. we are 
we are going through a massive transition. And I think when you kind of break it down, I think you're right in saying that there is some progress. Now, a lot of Arsenal fans don't want to hear this. They'll they'll kill me for saying this because they I get branded as Mr. Positive nowadays. But it's really not that. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, exactly. But it, it's really not that. It's honestly understanding where we were when Mikel Arteta took over and mm. understanding that this club has needed for a long time for the squad to be ripped out and literally rebuilt. And that is going to take time. Unless you've got, I've said it before, a sugar daddy like Roman Abramovich or, you know, the Manchester City owners, you're not going to be able to achieve that in a short space of time. I think add on top of that, the fact that this rebuild is having to happen during the COVID time. And it's it's not an excuse because every club's been through it, but it's just a really bad time to be looking to rebuild. You know, we've been without fans for ages like everybody else. And I think Mikel Arteta could have done with a bit more of that support. And he's not as experienced as the likes of Brendan Rodgers and some of the others who maybe drew on that experience to navigate through the difficult times. I do worry um, that, you know, it's, everything seems to be stacking up against him. But I mean, looking at like Leicester City, for example, what's been key to Leicester's kind of rise? Is it f- yeah. is it the ownership? Because I think when I look at how you guys talk about your owners yeah. and how much you kind of have a connection with them, I envy that. Because yeah. we're the opposite. We're outside the Emirates Stadium with Cronky out banners. Whereas you guys have got someone that really cares about the club. And I know what happened with the owner was obviously tragic, but it feels like that's even done even more to bring you guys kind of together and connect you. Is that being key to, to Leicester's rise? Yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, it, it really is the ownership. It, it really is. And look, <laughs> Harry, I can wax lyrical with a with a, a Cheshire cat smile beaming from, from ear to ear when I talk about the way that my football club is run. And, you know, I've never been more proud to be a Leicester City supporter for, for that purpose, you know. And I feel like people forget that less than 10 years ago, we were in League One. We were in League One less than 10 years ago. And, and now you look at the football club and the, the quality of that squad, the value of that squad, the manager, the owner, we've probably now got one of the best training facilities in the world. We've just announced a new stadium expansion. As you mentioned, with, with the owner, just have to remind people when we won the FA Cup, the, the scenes of, of the owner being on that on that, on that that pitch, celebrating with the players and, and the managers. And you just do not see that happen at any other football club. And, and the, the situation that we find ourselves in each summer with regards to maybe selling a player. Now, at most other football clubs, there'd be kind of pandemonium. There'd be panic within the fan base. But honestly and truly, I'm sat here like thinking, OK, well, if Madison goes... I completely trust the football club to to a reinvest that money and to and to progress even further. You know, if they sell Madison, it will be done on their terms and it'll be done when they're ready. And you know, if Harry Kane, for example, was to go from 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 Spurs, there would be panic and, and outcry. Now, I know obviously you know Kane going and Madison going are, are different things, but the point being is, is if a big player leaves a, a football club, the big question marks is, what do we do now? But at Leicester, as fans, you're thinking, okay, that's unfortunate. Where do we go from here? And, you know, the, the whole experience of, of supporting Leicester, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's 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 not fun when you lose games of football. But as a whole, I, I honestly, I, I, I can't fault the way that my football club is run. And I think that every single Premier League club, every club up and down the country should take a, take a look at the way that that football club is run and say, 
that's what we can do. And, and every Premier League club that wants to, to push on and, and play in Europe and compete for trophies, they should look at the way that Leicester are doing it because we've proven it, it can be done without spending the, the millions, and pe- millions and billions of pounds that, that the rest of the teams around us have done. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fantastic blueprint for success and it's an incredible blueprint in terms of being able to close the gap on the the mm. big sides. And, you know, Leicester have a couple of times fallen short of that top four when it did look like they were going to achieve it. And I, and and it's one of those where, you know, you kind of sit there and you probably are really disappointed at the time. But when you take a step yeah. back and look at where this club has come from, you can't help but be pleased with it. Yeah, I mean, of course, without question, I think um, this season was probably tougher to take the previous one you can kind of put it down to a lack of experience and also let's not forget with COVID everyone was playing behind closed doors and it affected some teams more than others and I think that we really struggled Um, and it was a lack of experience that that kind of happened and I think the players panicked and it all just became a bit too much I think this time around it was more disappointing because there was other circumstances now you talk about the the, the Madison Perez and, and Chowdhury incident that happened on the eve of a game against West Ham. It was fourth against fifth and we lost that game of football. Um, we were three nil down within half an hour. That, that, that game of football was lost before we even played because of the drama that had gone in the week. Now, of course, hindsight's a, a beautiful and wonderful thing, but we missed out Harry on top four by one point, you know, and, yeah. and, and that was, and that was the difference. I don't think Leicester really, really badly tailed off last season. I think, Liverpool ended the season in outstanding form, which you kind of couldn't really account for. And then Leicester just slightly dropped off it a little bit. But but as you said, you know, when you look at the big picture, we won the FA Cup. And, you know, in my lifetime, and I'm not talking just as a football fan, that's up there the top five days of my life, the day we won the <laughs> FA Cup. So look, if we're not playing Champions League football, then yeah, I'm sad because it would have been great. It would have been great to progress the football club. But at the same time, we've got another shot at the Europa League and I think we'll do really well in it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, just kind of taking it back to Arsenal for a minute. Yeah. You say that Leicester were, you know, just a point off the top four. And obviously that is that is true. Arsenal were only five points behind mm. Leicester. Yeah. And do you think that Arsenal fans in general, obviously we're generally speaking here, have kind of overreacted to what happened last season. Because when I think about some of the games that we dropped points in last season, I came away from them really disappointed because either we'd thrown the game away via a stupid individual error. I'm not just saying this as an Arsenal fan. I think we did struggle with some really poor refereeing, um, as did most clubs at really crucial points in the season. There was a game at Molyneux against Wolves, which is the one that I couldn't get over when David Luiz was... uh, sent off and Wolves were given a penalty that was and that turned that game completely on its head because Arsenal should have been three four nil up at that point I mean for me I think that it was fine margins for Arsenal and the fact that we were only five points behind Leicester City who missed out on the Champions League by a point means that we have hope this season and we shouldn't be going into it all doom and gloom. Do you think I've got a point or am I just trying to find the positive? No, I do think you have a point and whether you're happy with me including um, this comparison as well, but the same can be said for Spurs. You know, Spurs only finished a point behind Leicester and and reached the League Cup final and they sit there and, and, and all we hear is about what an absolute mess their football club is. Now, you know, as as a as a neutral here, not supporting neither Spurs or, or Arsenal, over the last decade, that's by and large where Arsenal and, and Spurs are finished. Now, not obviously eighth for, for Arsenal, but you know, 
in and around the top four in yeah. fifth place and reaching cup finals. So I do I do think that that there was a huge overreaction from from Arsenal fans and Spurs fans. I think the re- I think what you achieved is is obviously disappointing, but I think it's 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 really kind of exasperated by what the other clubs above you are doing. You know, when, again, I'm growing up watching Man United and Arsenal, Wenger and Ferguson, they were the two outstanding teams in, in the country. That was amazing. And now I watch Arsenal and I know, I know that they're not at that level and that yeah. must be difficult for Arsenal fans to take. So I don't think you're a million miles away from it. But at the same time, when you're seeing Kane... Grealish, Varane, you know, the list goes on moving for between 50 and 100 million pounds. And you're sat there thinking, well, we've not got European football this season and we're shopping around the Premier League to to try close that gap. I think it's just disheartening. Um, but I don't think that it's actually that bad. But it's difficult, isn't it? It really is difficult. Yeah, for sure. And it's really difficult to kind of turn off that emotion sometimes, mm. especially mid-season and be able to look at it in that way. I think what happens is you kind of temperatures at 100, you know, throughout the campaign, everybody's angry, frustrated, disappointed. And then actually when you do review it, you say, okay, it wasn't good enough, but it wasn't a million miles away. And that has to be taken as encouragement. I always say, if you're going into a new season with a negative mindset as a football supporter, what is the point in supporting that team? You know, Mm -hmm. the great thing about football is there is always next season which always means there's a hope of things getting better. And that's how you should look at it, in my view, anyway. Uh, Guys, get your questions in the live chat box. We'll do a few minutes on questions uh, before we wrap it up. But while we do that, uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on a non-Arsenal-related subject, Jake. And I wanted to uh, kind of pick your brains on the Harry Kane situation because I've quite enjoyed watching this unfold obviously <laughs> yeah, i'm sure you have <laughs> <laughs> um what have you made of it because I've, I've spoken to a number of spurs fans over the last couple of days sort of friends of mine and and people have said to me well it's completely unprofessional what harry kane has done it's a disgrace i never thought he would do it and they're really angry and upset by it but at the same time they're really furious at their club at the way their club's being run so for me i can't really get my head around that either harry kane has a point and your club, you know, aren't being run properly, or Harry Kane doesn't have a point, and yeah. your club is is in, in is in great shape. So, where do you stand on this, and where do you stand on players striking, sort of in general? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, you've got to bear in mind that at Talksport, I, I work with Paul Coit, who who works at Spurs. So, I've, I've, I'm having this conversation and watching his <laughs> his emotions flip from from one to the other every single day, and. It, <laughs> There are so, so many thoughts to this one. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go straight in with this whole gentleman's agreement, if I'm, if I'm honest, because I think this is kind of the sticking point, because I think everywhere else, I think we all recognise where everyone stands. We know Harry Kane wants to leave. I think we know Spurs don't want to sell. And I think Manchester, Manchester City are interested. So we kind of, we're there with that. I think the sticking point of all, is, all of this really is the gentleman's agreement. Now, Spurs fans keep saying, well, look, he signed a six-year contract. He shouldn't have signed the six-year contract. But at the same time, if he following them getting in the Champions League final, has signed a six-year deal and he's spoken to Daniel Levy and he, he has said, look, in a couple of years' time, if we're not challenging, I'll let you go. And then last season, he's had that same conversation and said, look, if we're not challenging for stuff, I'll let you go at the end of the season. Then then that agreement, I believe, should be should be stuck to. Now, Spurs should still name their price and, and not let him leave unless that price has been 
been made. But to completely dismiss that gentleman's agreement, I do think is is poor form. And I think that's the reason ultimately why Harry Kane is deciding to to strike because he thought he had an understanding with Daniel Levy that that he could go. Now, for me, all Spurs need to do here is just come out and say, look, we do not want to sell Harry Kane. However, his valuation is £150 million. And if that is met, we'll allow him to leave. And if it's not, then yeah. he stays. And I think, I think really that's the kind of the start and the end of it for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think what you're seeing from Aston Villa, for example, to take it to the Jack Grealish situation, is how that scenario should pan out. So Jack Grealish signed a new contract, I think it was last year with Aston Villa. And that is essentially why Aston Villa have been able to demand £100 million Mm. for Jack Grealish. There is an understanding between Jack Grealish and Aston Villa that if an offer of X amount comes in, he'll be allowed to leave. So Jack Grealish gets his big move to Manchester City where he can compete for trophies. And at the same time, because he did sign that contract and that agreement, the gentleman's agreement, if there was one, we're speculating, of course, Mm. was, was stuck to, it means everybody wins. Villa get their 100 million and they're fairly compensated for the loss of Jack Grealish. Grealish gets his move and and it's happy days. And I think that's what Tottenham kind of hoped or Harry Kane hoped would happen at Tottenham is that he would be protecting the club by doing what he did, signing that contract, but on the agreement that he'd be allowed to move on. And it's just, it's not happened. And I just think it's, what I don't get though is... He's striking now, but he's going to return to training at the end of the week. They were saying yesterday. Well, what's that about? He's even bottled. They're so Tottenham, isn't it? To even bottle a strike. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, look, I mean, I'm not going to go there. I'll let you do that. But I think the <laughs> the reality is, is he's he's looked um, about and, and previous big transfers. And whilst we know it's not the the way a play player should act, at the same time they know if they act this way, then then ultimately it will it will end in, in them getting what they want. And unfortunately, I think he is feeling like he has to now behave in that way. Um, you know, I think at the same time, he has disrespected the football club because he should turn up to training. But he needs to come out and say, this is what the agreement was with Daniel Levy or, or Spurs do. Because at the moment, I think Harry's too scared to to come out and actually say how he feels because he doesn't want to tarnish that reputation with the Spurs fans. But yeah. at the same time, he's kind of already done that. So, you know, we're coming to a... think we've lost uh, Jake's connection just there uh, momentarily. I'm sure I'll be back in uh, just a second. Let's go over to the uh, questions in the meantime. We'll see if it comes back. I'm sure it will. Um, bear with us. There he goes. He's reconnected. Hold on. Let me bring him back in. Here we go. Here Here we we are. Go. Sorry about that, mate. That's all right. That's all right. Saying, look, we're coming to we're coming to a head with the whole situation, and you know nobody wants it to continue. Um, my gut, fe- my, my gut feeling tells me he will end up at Man City, but I think it's probably going to get a little bit messier before it's all sorted. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's just take a couple of questions then before we wrap yep. up. Just another quick reminder: hit the like button. There's over 500 of you watching on YouTube alone at the moment, so get involved uh, by smashing that like button and, of course, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Um, Tebow asks uh, whether Daka will start for you guys uh, mm. in the Premier League. He says he's thinking of chucking him in his FPL team. Uh, yeah. So a little bit of a steer on this one, Jake, would be lovely. Well, Brendan Rogers has said that uh, Pats and Daka and Bubakare Sumare 
both. There's not going to be a huge amount of pressure on them um, this season. They'll use that first season initially as a bedding in period. So I'd expect both of them to to be very much involved in the first team, but but certainly not initial starters. I watched Pats and Dacker at the weekend actually in the in the preseason friendly against QPR, and he looked great. He looked really really good, lightning quick, um, a couple, a really nice finish. So I'm excited by him, but. The, the the starting lineup will see either Vardy and Ian Acho start because of the way they ended that season, or he'll play a play a four three three, which would mean just the one striker, which wouldn't be Dakar. So I would I would personally hold off on putting Pats and Dakar in any fantasy uh, Premier League team for now, anyway. Yeah, I, I'm terrible with fantasy. I start the season oh, so optimistic, yeah. and then about a month in, I I start forgetting yeah. to do my team. First, and then it yeah, just... first week I forget to do my subs. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm losing and I'm a really sore loser and I just sack it in after a week. Yeah, it just it just all and goes tell everybody to shit. I won. <laughs> exactly. Um I just want to put this one to you. This is kind of like a yeah, it's more of a comment than a question, but Nicomo says surely Odegaard would be a better option than Madison. Now a lot of Arsenal fans have been debating this and discussing this because obviously we saw Martin Odegaard in an Arsenal shirt uh, for the second half of last season. He impressed most people. There are some that don't think he'd done enough, but yeah. If Odegaard is available for essentially half the money that Madison is. Would you be tempted if you were in charge of the football club to pursue the Norwegian instead? Or do you think there is that much of a gap in terms of quality between the two? Yeah, if I take off my Leicester hat, because obviously I don't want you to sign James Madison um, (laughs) for a moment, I would say that James Madison is a level above Odegaard. I don't think Odegaard did enough last season to earn a permanent move to Arsenal. I think he's a good player. I think he's a nice player, but I think if Arsenal want to get back to where they were, I don't think he's quite at that level. And I think you've seen that as well with, with at Real Madrid. Um, and I think that, that Arsenal probably should be looking elsewhere. Now I've seen obviously lots of links with Hossem Alwar at, at Lyon. And again, whether it's Odegaard or Alwar, they're, they're going to be half the price of James Madison. So I think they're, they're financially more viable deals, but the significantly better player and the, the smallest risk in all of this would be Madison, but you know, as we've discussed, it's it's not quite as straightforward as that. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about the money, isn't it? All about the money. Right. Uh, we are going to leave it there. Uh, Jake, do you want to let everybody know how they can keep up with you on social media and your fantastic work, where they can listen to you and uh, yeah, give yourself a plug, basically. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, um, Twitter uh, is just Jake Watson underscore TV. Um, and as Harry says, I'm, I'm on Talk Sports. You can hear me every weekday morning, five till six with Paul Coit on Talk Sport. And then over on Talk Sport 2, uh, eight or nine again every weekday morning. So, yeah, come, come have a listen. Um, Harry will be on there plenty as well. So it'll be good, it'll be good to have you on board. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Make sure you do head over and check that out and check Jake out, more importantly. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you very, very soon. In fact, we're going to be back in a few hours' time with another live show. That one will be available in podcast format from the morning. This one will be available for those of you who prefer to listen uh, while walking your dog or whatever it is you prefer to do. Uh, You can tune into that from the podcast platforms from 5 p.m. today. Uh, So stay tuned. Right, I'll catch you all very soon. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to 